You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Wednesday episode here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week covering your New Orleans Saints. Got a big episode yet again today, keeping it rolling here throughout the offseason. We're going to start off with the uh, reports here recently. Saints have been reportedly discussing trading defensive lineman Malcolm Brown. So we'll talk about what the salary implications of a deal would be for the Saints. We'll talk about what it means for the young guys behind Brown and what the Saints could possibly get in return for the six-year NFL veteran. Then it's year-end review time, as we do every Wednesday here on the show. So we're going to start off with a look back at the 2020 tight ends, their production, and how they contributed to the team. And then to wrap up the show, we'll look ahead at the position group to 2021, with Jared Cook's name being commonly attached to cap casualty conversations. What could the Saints tight end room look like next season? I'll tell you who I would keep, my dream free agent signing, and who I would consider in the draft at the tight end position. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. So the offseason is starting to heat up. We actually have already seen the Saints make their first offseason signing, keeping Noah Spence defensive lineman in New Orleans. We'll talk a little bit about that signing more on free agency Friday, as well as the rest of the defensive line, particularly at the edge rusher position. But the defensive line got a lot of attention today. You have the Noah Spence sign. It's going to keep Noah Spence around, give him an opportunity to compete in training camp and earn a spot after missing last season with the Achilles injury that took place while he was getting ready for camp. But then you also got this tweet from Ian Rappaport saying that the Saints have had trade conversations about potentially dealing defensive tackle Malcolm Brown. So let's talk a little bit about what this would mean if the Saints moved on from Malcolm Brown from the salary cap perspective, what it means for the young guys behind him. And as we mentioned before, what type of compensation you can get back for the six-year NFL veteran. So let's talk a little bit about Malcolm Brown first. We'll set the stage, about 320 pounds, six foot two, big time nose tackle guy, but that also lined up across several different interior techniques, contributed 61 total tackles, three sacks, nine tackles for a loss, and seven quarterback hits during his two years in New Orleans. He also was a big part of the run game as well, while also finding ways to impact in the pass rush, whether it was because he was getting after the quarterback, as we mentioned, three sacks throughout his time in those two seasons, but also clogging up, taking up extra bodies, forcing opportunities for other guys to be able to generate in the pass rushing game. He's in the final year of his three-year $15 million contract that the Saints signed him to two years ago. He would end up saving the Saints $5 million if traded or released. It's a little bit under that. It's like $4.96 million, somewhere around there, but you get it. $5 million, regardless of traded or released, doesn't matter if it's post June 1 or it happens right now, it is all the same for both a trade or release. Oftentimes, when we talk about Malcolm Brown, we reference him as a potential cap casualty this offseason, but honestly, we shouldn't rule out the potential of a pay cut either if the Saints can't find a trade partner and then they give him the opportunity to take a pay cut to stay with the team before eventually, potentially, then making the decision to release him. So if he's willing to take the pay cut, 
that certainly can be helpful. Now, how does this affect the team around him? Well, certainly it opens up the door for continued development for the younger players that the Saints like, including Shai Tuttle and Malcolm Roach, of course. But it also puts a big burden on David Onyemata to be the guy in the middle, considering this is a team that could also be losing Sheldon Rankins this offseason. The other opportunity that it opens up is for the Saints to look to free agency as well as the draft at this position. We know that they have been interested in taking virtual visits with interior defensive linemen. We've seen it with NC State's Alim McNeil, as well as Notre Dame's Ade Ogundeji. Both of these guys bring their versatility to the table, exactly the type of young defensive linemen you would expect the Saints to like. They can both play at that nose tackle position as well as the one tech position, and you can even move them around a little bit more from there. And again, this is also a very saturated free agent market at this position, but some names that we've mentioned before as potential replacements at the interior defensive line, like Jonathan Hankins, as well as Kawan Short of the Carolina Panthers. Now, here's the big question. What would the Saints get in return if they do find a suitable trade partner for Malcolm Brown before having to result to releasing him? And you're probably expecting most realistically day three pick compensation. That's probably what you're expecting. And for instance, back in 2018, the Saints traded defensive tackle Davril Lawrence to the Cleveland Browns for a seventh round pick just before the 53-man roster cuts after the preseason. Now, to be fair, in that instance, Lawrence had only played for the Saints in the preseason and was traded at 26 years old. Now, the Saints also traded Akeem Hicks in one offseason for tight end Michael Haomanawanui. That was in a trade with the New England Patriots. Of course, the Saints were eager to get rid of Akeem Hicks at that time. So maybe what you're looking for at best is some type of a day three selection and maybe a backup player. Now, I couldn't see the Saints getting a day three pick that ends up being anything better than a sixth. A fifth round pick would probably be a steal. But if you consider the fact that last year, defensive tackle Everson Griffin was traded away for a conditional sixth round pick and Jarrell Casey was also traded to the Broncos for a seventh round pick last season as well, that's probably about what you can expect to get for a nose tackle one tech like Malcolm Brown. So this is what you, you what you get in either of, or any of the potential situations that you have available to you with Malcolm Brown. A late day three selection or a reserve player along with a $5 million cap relief by trading him, or you just get the $5 million cap relief by cutting him, or potentially a lesser amount of cap relief depending upon whether or not he's willing to take a pay cut or you can work out an extension and restructure. All good and viable options for the Saints, and it definitely makes sense that they would pursue this. This doesn't come down to Malcolm Brown being too bad or Malcolm Brown being a bad player. That He's obviously contributed to the Saints quite a bit, but the Saints simply with the cap situation that they're in are really starkly evaluating what are what's the value that we're getting for the player versus the value that we're paying out in any any type of delineation or any type of deficit between those two things is going to result in exactly these types of conversations. Now, you're going to have another one of those conversations at another position that's, of course, going to come down to Jared Cook, the tight end for the New Orleans Saints. We're going to get into a little bit more Jared Cook talk as well as tight end talk here in just a moment as we get into our year in review for the tight end position. We'll talk about the 2020 review. Then we'll get to the 2021 outlook and look at some potential future selections for the New Orleans Saints, including how I would shape the tight end room next year. We've got all that coming up for you next here on today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And of course, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag. You have to go and check them out because it is the easiest way to bet 
on all of your sports action. Even though football is over, you can still check out the NBA, college basketball, NHL, and even the MLB, of course, which is right around the corner. And football might be over, but you can also check out some futures that they have available there as well. You just saw J.J. Watt go to the Arizona Cardinals. Right now, the Arizona Cardinals plus 450 to win the NFC West. Not a bad choice. It's actually a pretty spicy stack of odds right there that might be worth your attention. So if you want to go and check them out, just go to betonline.ag. You can check out their website or use your mobile device as well to sign up today. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, on your first deposit for that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Hidden Nation, we are rolling right along with today's episode of Locked On Saints. A busy one today, but an even busier one over at the Locked On Today podcast, where they talked about two teams in the NBA's Western Conference as they battle it out before the All-Star break. Are the Suns and Lakers going to meet again in the Western Conference Finals? Get more of the sports that you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. All right, so let's jump into our tight end. This is part of our year-end review, so we're into the tight end part of this now we've talked quarterbacks running backs and wide receivers so far we got tight ends this week next we go to offensive line then we'll jump to the defense after that and continue rolling on all throughout the roster so to start us off here we're going to talk a little bit about the 2020 season in review one of the biggest hot button hot topics so far of the offseason has been what is going to happen with Jared Cook. Of course, if the Saints keep him around, there's a roster bonus that kicks in at some point after the new league year begins. Not entirely clear uh, when that begins, but the Saints obviously don't want to owe Jared Cook any type of money going into next season, but there is the potential that they could move on from him. They won't save any money or anything like that, except for the fact that they won't have that roster bonus pop up at a later time. So Jared Cook, somebody that a lot of Saints fans have been very disappointed in. Of course, he had the big costly fumble in the playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although not entirely his fault with that. Well, the fumble was his fault, but it wasn't his fault that the Saints lost the game entirely remarked on that fumble, right? The Saints kind of beat themselves up that entire 60 minutes. But when it comes down to Jared Cook's performance, there are a lot of positives. There are a few negatives, two costly fumbles, one in the playoffs, one in the regular season game against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which of course didn't matter because they won 38 to three anyway in that game. But you sort of saw those moments. He's credited by having a drop percentage of only 3.3%, only credited with two drops this season. And then he did a lot of other things well. He caught 37 passes for 504 yards, shout out 504. And then he also had seven touchdowns, which was part of the team lead in that stat. Now, of course, he caught 37 passes, but he was targeted 60 times. So you saw a catch percentage of only 61.7, his lowest over the past three seasons. That, of course, includes time with the New Orleans, rather the past four seasons, if you include 2020, that includes his time with the New Orleans Saints and the, at the time, Oakland Raiders. Now, he did average 13.3 yards per reception, but only averaged 33.6 yards per game. So he wasn't a very consistent piece for the Saints all throughout the year. One of the big things that really stuck out to me when it came to Jerry Cook in this season was his inefficiency in the red zone. We talked before about how uh, Drew Brees was only able to complete about 33% of his targets to Jared Cook in the red zone. There was a bit more of a successful pattern there when it came to 
Taysom Hill, but of course, a much smaller sample size as well. Now, Jerry Cook did score most of his touchdowns in the red zone, so at least there is that. But just in terms of the wealth of targets that he was given there versus how many he converted to even just receptions, let alone touchdowns, there was some concern with he and Drew Brees' chemistry there, which was shocking based upon what you saw at the end of the 2019 season, where the two really hit a stride for the last 10 or so games of the season. Now, we talked a little bit about his issues with consistency, Jerry Cook, throughout the 2020 season. You certainly saw that in uh, really right off the bat, right? You saw the 80-yard five reception game against the Tampa Buccaneers to open it up, followed that up with a 13 and 21 yard performance. He was inactive in week four. And then for the rest of the season, only had three games where he had over 50 yards receiving and never getting back to sort of that big game that he opened up the year with, with an 80 yard game until he had an 82 yard game up against the Minnesota Vikings at the end of the season. That included in between that having a zero six and zero yard performance, three straight games over the course of the season, right in the heart of the season at that. And then you look at the snap counts as well. And this was something that was really interesting to track all throughout the season. And if you paid attention to snap counts at all throughout the year, you definitely saw this happening. He started off the season with two straight games of 65% of the offensive snaps and then hit around the 50 to 40 side. And then ended up dropping toward the heart of the season, 36, 36, 37, 30, 36, 36 again. So you see his, his production not only dipped, but also even so much as the snap counts as they were there. And of course, those included the games that Drew Brees was out and Taysom Hill was in. There was more of a run focus, so he wasn't in for those as he's not much of a blocker. But that's a pretty big thing to have happen to you at a certain point in your career to where because the game plan has to shift, you can't be a part of it anymore because you don't serve that role as well. Now, the player that did serve that role well, of course, was Josh Hill, who was essentially your tight end two slash tight end three, really, I would say, throughout the season. He only had eight catches that year, uh, 46 yards and then one touchdown. That was pretty much all that he did. Didn't play a ton during this, but he did have you know a lot of opportunities to be out there and really settle the score as a blocker for the most part and continue to carve out his role there, but only played 33% of the offensive snaps throughout the season. The rest of the snaps went to the Saints third round pick out of Dayton, Adam Troutman. Now this was Something that we knew coming into the season was that, hey, rookie tight ends don't immediately translate to the NFL. It doesn't happen, but there are some really, really good signs here about Adam Troutman. Of course, we all remember his route running, the touchdowns that he scored, some of the big plays that he made throughout the season, those opportunities that he got, but he didn't get too many opportunities. Troutman on the season only played 37% of offensive snaps, and certainly there were times where that was more rather than less, particularly those games where Taysom Hill was the quarterback and there was a big focus on the run there. But you look at the fact that he was targeted 16 times. He came down with 15 receptions, only had 171 yards and one touchdown, but a 93.8 catch percentage is something to be really, really excited about when you talk about this guy potentially developing on down the road. And you also consider the fact that 171 yards is what he had total, but 117 of them came after the catch, averaging almost eight yards after the catch per reception. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about Adam Troutman. Now, we talked a little bit about his consistency in terms of how things changed as he got a little bit more involved in the offense over time. You certainly saw that because of their ability to utilize him both in the passing game and his development as a runner. You certainly saw that as the snap counts increased up to 61% at one point throughout the season, even finishing up the season in the regular season with 69 and 64% 
to close everything out. So you saw them really get comfortable with having Adam Troutman there. Adam Troutman, I think, is going to be your number one moving forward. Now, there was one other tight end that saw some playing time. It was Garrett Griffin. Didn't have too much going on. He played only 9% of snaps on the offensive side, appeared in four games, and had only 93 or so snaps total throughout the season. Didn't record any stats for 2020, and that's okay because you essentially used him as a guy that can come in in relief of one of those blocking tight ends and then had the opportunity to jump in, stand in, and actually produce there as well. So he was a big piece, especially during the whole uh, issue to where you know you had the running backs out and things like that. He's a guy that you could always plug in as an H-back as well in the future should you ever need that. So he does a little bit of everything and helps you out with his versatility, being able to serve multiple roles as well as a special teamer. All of these guys, with the exception of Jared Cook, are on the roster for next season. So is Ethan Wolf, a developmental tight end that they have on the practice squad, and that was given a futures contract. So he'll be there on the 90-man roster in training camp. But the big question is going to be, how different is this room going to look? And is Jared Cook going to be a part of it? We'll talk about that next as we get ahead to our 2021 outlook at the tight end position. And I'll tell you exactly what I would do for this position moving forward into 2021. We'll have that for you here in just a moment on today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And y'all, we have something very exciting going on with our friends over at Built Bar. Y'all know Built Bar is the best tasting protein bars ever. You can check them out over at BuiltBar.com. But also, we're going to be doing a March Madness bracket of the best flavors of Built Bar we have next week our four what well, four flavors that essentially have to have a play in and then we go from 16 down to 8 down to a final four down to championship and we'll do this all through March leading up to the first weekend of April you'll be able to vote on Built Bar's website as well as over on Built Bar's Twitter page so make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson NOLA and make sure that you follow Built Bar on Twitter as well they're there at bar underscore built but most of all don't forget to go and check out and pick up a box of the best tasting protein bars. You're going to have to taste them anyway so that you know how to vote. So head over to BuiltBar.com, grab any of your favorite flavors out of 18 amazing flavors that you're going to be able to vote on all throughout the month of March. And don't forget, of course, to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 so you can get 20% off of your next order. Use that promo code LOCKEDON2020, use the numerals, 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's get it, Huda Nation. Wrap it up today's episode with a quick look into the 2021 season at the tight end position. But you can also get another look at the 2021 season with all the draft advice that you need with Locked on NFL on Wednesdays, where hosts Tony Wiggins and James Rappian are joined every week by a Locked on Draft expert to talk about prospects and the upcoming drafts. So get everything that you need to know on the draft on Wednesdays or at Locked on NFL. Subscribe to Locked on NFL wherever you get your podcast. Now, let's say that Jared Cook isn't going to be on the roster next year. Who does that leave you with? So again, that's going to leave you with Adam Troutman. It's going to leave you with Josh Hill, Garrett Griffin, and Ethan Wolf, who are all on contract. Not a bad group, honestly. You got a little bit of everything there. You have your receiving tight end and Adam Traubin, who can also serve as a blocker in the run game, helps you be a little bit more mysterious in terms of what you're doing with him on the field. You've got Josh Hill, who, you know, they really even changed his tight end, changed his position last year from tight end to F and then utilized him mostly as a fullback, which by the way, we completely skipped over Michael Burton. I'll, I'll get Michael Burton in when we talk about offensive line though, because he was an absolute bulldozer all season. But when it comes down to Josh Hill, he gives you a little bit of that versatility as well. 
Garrett Griffin. He gives you a little bit of versatility as a blocking tight end, but also somebody that you can use out of the backfield as a blocker and the F position as well. And then Ethan Wolf is a really interesting guy because he is a bit of a developmental prospect for the New Orleans Saints, and they do like him. There's a reason why they've continued to keep him around uh, and why he ended up getting a futures deal so he could stick around with the New Orleans Saints going through. But he's somebody that'll be really interesting to watch to see if he's maybe able to develop at some point during training camp and during the offseason and maybe find a way to maybe get some time on the field. I mean, he's six foot six, 252 pounds. He's played a style of ball that allows him to be a pass catcher. He's also played a style of ball that's allowed him to be a blocker. So I think that all four of those guys really do have the opportunity to stick on the roster and be around after the 53-man cut, specifically a little bit of a competition potentially for the tight end three position at uh, when it comes down to Ethan Wolf and Garrett Griffin. So you could absolutely walk in to the 2020 off, 2021 offseason with these four players and be perfectly comfortable. However, when have we ever known the Saints to just be comfortable, right? They're always looking at trying to figure out how they can improve, what more they can do. I honestly wouldn't be surprised that even if the Saints release Jared Cook, which they are, which I, I don't want to say they are expected to do, but certainly makes sense, right? If they end up doing that to make sure that they don't take on that roster bonus whenever that activates after the new league year, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Saints ended up calling him and asking him to potentially come back and sign at a lesser deal. I know a lot of people might moan and groan about that, but the fact of the matter is that he was one of your leaders when it came to receiving touchdowns. 504 yards is not a bad deal, especially when that when your leading receiver had just over 700 in terms of your wide receivers. And he's somebody that still is an effective piece in the red zone for you, at least when you can get him the ball. And how much of that had to do with chemistry between Drew Brees and Jared Cook more than it had to do with actually just Jared Cook, considering how effective he was in the red zone when Taysom Hill was under center. So those are all things to consider, right? A 120, 119 type passer rating when he was targeted, that's nothing to shake a stick at. And that's not far removed from uh, Adam Trotman's 130 passer rating when he was targeted. So I think there's still a lot of positives to potentially keeping Jared Cook around. And then maybe you just try to work on the fumbling issue, which again, wasn't a bad fumbling issue. It just tended to happen at the absolute worst times. And that's unfortunate, but that's what happens. He's getting a little bit of the Marcus Williams, Minnesota miracle uh, treatment or Minneapolis miracle treatment, if I'm being completely honest. So you look ahead to the future, you could see Jared Cook potentially coming back and these five guys all being there for camp and then figuring out what the best combination of three ends up being for the Saints moving forward. However, that wouldn't necessarily be what I would do. I could see the Saints doing that, but I'm not too entirely interested in exactly that happening. I'm interested in the Saints maybe investing in more youth at the position. Certainly you have it with Adam Troutman, but behind Adam Troutman, you've got Jared, excuse me, uh, Josh Hill, who is your veteran presence there. Let him be the veteran presence as opposed to Jared Cook. You've given Adam Troutman a year with a pass catching tight end. Now let him go out there and develop his game as he continues to move forward and continues to develop. And instead, maybe go out there and get him a running mate in free agency. So my running mate for him in free agency, there's two really good ones. There's one that's sensible and there's one that's an absolute dream. I'll start off with the one that's an absolute dream. My absolute dream signing at this position is tight end from Tennessee, Tennessee Titans tight end, Jonu Smith. Now you've heard me talk about Jonu Smith before. You know I love him. 114 catches over the course of his career for 100, I'm sorry, for 1,302 yards and 16 touchdowns. Eight of those touchdowns coming in 2021, 41 catches for 448 yards. Now he's going to be uh, pretty pricey, right? He's going to be a pretty expensive guy, but you know what? 
you sign him to a contract where he has a lesser first round or first year deal, and then you end up escalating after that. You know how we do. Now, the more sensible option and potentially another way to maybe not necessarily inject some youth into the unit, but if you want to give uh, Adam Trotman another year with a mentor that's been in the NFL and has been successful, you could go with Kyle Rudolph, who was just released on Tuesday by the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, the Saints have horrible, horrible memories of Kyle Rudolph in the 2019 playoffs, but this is a guy who has really made his career in being multiple. He's a receiving threat. He is not as much as he used to be, but he played in the peak of his career as a receiving threat, as well as somebody that could block a pretty damn good mentor for a guy like Adam Troutman, who you're trying to get to take strides that way. He's also played in an offense that works with a number one wide receiver or with a superstar wide receiver and a superstar running back knows how to play that role. So let's take a look at the draft now, because this is another way to really inject some youth into your offense. There are three really good candidates that I like. Brevin Jordan out of Miami. He's a great option. He plays from all over the place, a little bit more of a receiving threat than anything else. Six foot three, 245, according to ESPN. He does have a pro day coming up with Miami later on in the month, so we'll get more official numbers later. But in 2020, he had 38 catches for 567 yards and seven touchdowns. Again, you can use them anywhere, right? You can use them out of the backfield. You can line them up in line. You can line them up stacked off the line of scrimmage. You can line them up out wide. He can make it work. He's a very, very fun piece to have. Another one that I would look at is University of Mississippi guy, uh, Kenny Yaboa. He was actually at the Senior Bowl. Got to see him play a little bit. He got those Senior Bowl measurements in at six foot four, 247 pounds, had 22 catches, 524 yards, and six touchdowns in 2020. And then you have John Bates out of Boise State. Love the way that that rhymes. Bigger body here, six foot five, 250 or so pounds. That was at the Senior Bowl with those measurements. His best season came in 2019 with a modest 22 catches, 273 yards and a touchdown. But I have to tell you, when he got up against some of that D1 talent at the Senior Bowl, he absolutely balled out of control and made some very acrobatic catches. So I'll tell you what, when I'm talking about my particular route, the way that I would go, my thing would be go in with Adam Troutman and Josh Hill. Those are guys that you know are going to be on the 53-man roster in camp. Let Garrett Griffin, as well as Ethan Wolf kind of push each other, see who makes the biggest development, the biggest strides, and then invest at the tight end position potentially in the draft. And if you do, you can do it late, maybe with that pick that you get in exchange for Malcolm Brown, if you are able to move him. But my thing, let Adam Troutman be your tight end number one. That is the most important part to me. You've seen his route running. You've seen the things that he's able to do as a pass catcher in the Saints offense. Lead off with Adam Troutman. That is my number one thing when it comes to this tight end position. All right, y'all, feel free to let me know if you agree or disagree by hitting me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. And of course, don't forget to come back for tomorrow's episode. It's Thursday, so it is our top three Thursday. Going to take a look at the top three run plays of the Saints 2020 season. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Noah Spence signing moving into free agency Friday. And then talk a little bit more about available free agents as well and where the Saints can continue to improve this team as free agency begins to heat up with the uh, league year right around the corner. I appreciate y'all as always for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust You That Nation. I'll holla at you.